Are you excited? Are you excited to be in this place? You know all that's going on, all that God is doing. Are you excited about that? Can anyone that's been here for the last couple of months deny the fact that God is moving? No? Thank you for that one no. God is moving in this place. That's a reason to get excited. That's a reason to get pumped up. God is in this place this morning. He's been with us, and he's going to continue to be with us. And that's a reason for our excitement. If, there, if someone's new in this place this morning, they should feel our excitement for what God is doing and what God has been doing. And so I'm excited. I'm pumped up, and I hope you are. Uh, as we kind of take this walk through faith today, uh, we have a lot to be excited about. Uh, my name is Eric Smith. I'm a Connect Group leader here at Connection Church. Um, it's a very, very special Sunday, obviously, as Michael has said. He's, um, he's already laid out what God has done, and it's sort of a nostalgic moment for all of us, or the ones who have been here from the start. Uh, you know, it's kind of like if you've been married and you had that starter home or you were in that apartment and the baby was coming or the family was growing and you just knew you had to move on to the next place, um, you know, you, you look at the next place with excitement and joy about what's going to be, but you also look at the old place and go, man, this is cool. It's cool to see how far we've come. And that's what this is this morning. We're, we're able to look back and see what God has been doing in this place. Um, and for me, uh, it, was, it was a journey. For my family, it was a journey. We were at another church, and we were heavily invested. We were leaders. My children in their own right were leaders. They were invested in the youth and all that. And our prayer just became we wanted to be where God was. And, and so regardless of what that meant, regardless of what that looked like, we just wanted to be where God was. And so that became our prayer to God. We just want to be where you are. And so, you know, through some people and through what I will tell you is God moving, we wound up at a karate school where people were already invested. They were already meeting. They were gathering on Sunday evenings. Uh, I met Michael, began to bug Michael like nobody's business. He'll tell you we had hour-long conversations because I was trying to find every reason to know for sure to just know that this is what God wanted, to just have with absolute certainty this is where God wanted us. And so I'm asking him questions about theology and the doctrine of the church, and we're just having these long conversations, and I'm bugging him, and I'm calling him, and I'm texting him, you know, because I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I know for sure? Because what if my wife doesn't like it? What if my children don't like it? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if, and all these what ifs? But ultimately, it just became a step of faith. We just had to step out in faith and just trust that God was leading and that we were being obedient. And we were. And God has been faithful throughout all of this and has been such a blessing. Even in this moment today to be preaching this last sermon here, this overwhelming, you know. Am I, am I good enough to even express what this means, express what God is doing, really be clear about how God has moved? Am I, am I, am I okay for that? Can I do that? And praise God, the answer is no. But all I have to do is step out in faith and let the Holy Spirit move and just trust that just like every other moment in my life, God has been faithful. And so here we go. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to get started. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. We thank you for everything you've done. We thank you for the breath in our lungs this morning, Lord. You woke us up with purpose, with intention. You woke us up and you looked down on us with love like you've always looked at us. At the beginning of creation, you looked at each and every one of our hearts with love and a longing for restoration, Lord, a longing for that moment where we turn back to you and we receive Jesus for that restoration, for that relationship to be restored 
so that we could walk where you would have us walk to truly operate in the purpose that you designed us for and to have a joy and a comfort and a peace that, like the Bible says, surpasses all understanding. So, Lord, we're praying for this moment, Lord, that you would just overwhelm us with the Spirit. We're praying that we realize what you have done to bring us into this place. Lord, we're praying that our hearts are stirred with so much affection for you that we can't even stay in our seats, that we have to stand and shout with joy and praise because you are God and you love us. And you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us. Lord, we give you this time. We give you our hearts. And we just pray that you will just stay with us this morning as we continue to worship you in your word. Lord, it's in your son's precious holy name we pray. Amen. So by faith, Faith's a big word. It has a lot, of, uh, a lot of luggage that goes with it. A lot of, um, a lot of things are, are packed into that word and what that means. Um, we see faith a lot, especially when it comes to the Bible. The word faith appears 16 times in the Old Testament. That's just an NIV version and two in the King James. Then in the New Testament, it sort of shifts a little bit. Faith becomes something that's really really apparent. It becomes something that's really anchored to our relationship with God because the numbers greatly change. In the New Testament, the NIV version, faith is mentioned 254 times. And then in King James Version, it's mentioned 245. So faith is an intricate part of our relationship with God. It is an active force that's connecting us to God and how we view him. And so it carries a weight. It carries something that we need to understand. We need to realize what it means for us. Because the truth is we all have faith in something. You have faith. Maybe it's not in God, but you have faith. How you respond in a crisis, your first response in a crisis is an indication of where your faith is. Where your money flows effortlessly is an indication of where your faith is. Where you pour your blood, sweat, and tears with work is an indication of your faith. So we all have it. It just depends on what our faith is in. That's important. That's where we need to get into the bottom of. Where is our faith today? And why that's so important is because whatever you place your faith in, whatever you use as the thing that's going to bring you joy, as the thing that's going to bring you happiness, the thing that you're looking for that you know is going to solve that problem, that thing you can't put your thumb on, that itch you can't scratch, that thing that you're placing your faith on, the very important thing about that thing is that whatever it is, it better have the ability to carry the weight of your faith. Because if it doesn't, Everything's going to crumble, right? My brother, he bought a big old pretty excursion. It's really nice. It's huge, jacked up tires, all that stuff. The funny thing was I wanted an excursion. We started talking about it, and he started looking, trying to help me find one, and then he got excited about it, and he bought one. So I don't know if it was a rub in the face or just what. No, he's got more kids than I do, guys. That was the point. We were trying to find something that we could all travel together with, um, And so I look at his excursion, and I could be like, man, he could put all the kids in there. He could pull a camper. He could pull a trailer. He could do so many things with this excursion. Man, that would be nice if I have one. And so then I go out and buy one, right? 
but it never actually fixes that thing that I was looking for. I was trying to find something to satisfy my family because the truth of it is, I can still spend time with my family in my beat up blue force. I can still spend time with my family at home. I can still, we can take two cars if necessary. That excursion is not going to be the thing that carries the weight of my faith. And if I put all my faith in it, guess what it's going to do? It's going to break down. It's going to rust. It's going to dry up. It's going to have problems because that's what cars do. They can't carry the weight of my faith. Same things with my wife. If my wife is the thing that I use to complete me, the thing that I use to bring me joy and happiness and peace and comfort, I am placing all of the weight of my faith on my wife. And guess what? She, she has no chance of carrying that weight. There's no way possible. How could one single person carry the weight of all of my faith, of all of my joy, of all of my peace, of all of my comforts? How could I expect an individual to do that? And so understanding faith's very important for us. It's going to be very important for us in how we see the world and how we see God. Because the thing we know for sure is that God is the one thing in this world that can carry the weight of your faith. He is the one thing in this world that will never fail you. He's the one thing that will never forsake you. He is the one thing that is big enough to handle every situation that will require your faith. He's a big God. He can do that for us. And so that's where we need to be this morning. We need to be realizing where is our faith? And then can that thing support the weight of our faith? So if you will, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Hebrews 11. Um, We're going to kind of hang out there for a while. I'm going to read a little bit, and then I'm going to come back to it, and we're going to shoot through it really quick. Uh, And we're also going to probably be in um, James chapter 2 if you want to just put a little finger in there or a little note card or something like that just so you can turn to it really quickly. And we're going to start in 1 through 3 for right now. So Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And so if you have a pen or if you're a note taker or anything like that, I want you to circle the word confidence and assurance. And then if you have some margins or anything like that, I want you to write the word conviction and evidence. What I just read to you was from the NIV version. The ESV and several others Instead of the word um, confidence, or assurance, I'm sorry, instead of the word assurance, they use the word conviction. And then in the King James Version, it uses the word evidence. And what's important to understand as we see the biblical view, the biblical definition of what faith is, it's important to understand that regardless of the translation, all three of those words are connected because they all tie up into the same idea of being in front of a jury and a jury having to make a decision on someone. That's where the conviction comes in. It's all of the evidence being laid out clearly in a way that gives you a confidence in your decision. And so evidence, conviction, all of those things are tied in together. And the reason why that matters is because one of the things I like to do, I don't know if you're ever watching, but Ben Shapiro 
he's really cool to watch. He's, he's always in these, you know, debates and conversations with people and all of that. And I'm not a politic person. I really don't like politics. But I love watching Ben Shapiro because he knows how to argue. And he understands how an argument is supposed to work. He understands how to defend his position and how to use someone else's position to defend his own position or either to prove what they're thinking wrong. It's really incredible to watch. He's insanely intelligent. He's very, very smart. But one of the things I've learned in watching Ben is that one, one way of, uh, of proceeding in an argument is understanding the authoritative argument. And what the authoritative argument is is that whatever I believe doesn't necessarily make that true for you. And so if I believe in this, if I believe in God and you don't, me just saying believe in this isn't necessarily enough to sway your argument all the time. I have to come up with something else. I have to come up with something that's more visible, something more transparent. I have to have evidence to support my argument because if you don't believe in what I believe, why would you believe my argument? And so it's really important to kind of see this is how these things are all tied together because that's what he's doing. He's under the assumption as the author of Hebrews that we all have our faith in God. And so it's really easy for him to sort of just lay out this is what faith is. But when it comes to in terms of us and how we interact with non-believers, how we interact with the world, they don't necessarily believe the same things we believe. And that's okay. The important thing is just understanding how the argument is laid out so that they can see, so that the evidences are clear, so that they might go, wait, that argument might be valid. It might be true. It might be worth something. I might, it might be worth considering. And so as we read that, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We read, this is what the ancients were commended for. And so as you read on down Hebrews, theologians call this the roll call of faith, or some call it the hall of faith, because he continues on and he just goes through the Old Testament and kind of points out the heroes in their lives and how God moved and how by faith they followed God, and God just strung together this miraculous series of events in establishing a nation and then eventually telling this nation that an answer was coming to reconcile the problem of their relationship. And so we get to see as he lays out this walk of faith by all of these heroes, how important faith really truly is. And so our definition, how we understand faith matters. And so what I want to try to do this morning is take a look at what faith is and kind of bring it down to a level to where I can understand it, to where I can realize it and I can see and I can break it down to where I could actually explain it. Because that's important. It's important for my argument. It's important for me. It's important for my heart to understand what that means. And the author of Hebrews is even cool because he gives us in three the first little pragmatic answer to faith. Because he sort of lays out, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And that's where we get the notion that he's sort of just assuming that we have faith in God. Because someone who had no faith in God, that wouldn't make sense to them. Many scientists today would fight and push back against that. But if I don't have the argument, if I don't have the evidence, how would I ever stand before someone who doesn't believe and go, yeah, but this is why it's right. This is why I can trust it. This is why I can have faith in what he's doing. Never mind that a scientist is just saying there was nothing, and then all of a sudden that nothing became something like that. And even if that's true, which 
maybe something had to cause that event. And so what would that be, right? But I have to learn to be able to lay my argument out in a clear and concise way so that they understand, so that they see. And it's important because God uses by faith moments in our life to sort of string out this evidence for us. So let's look at faith. And there are three points to kind of understanding how we get faith in our life. The first one is just realizing it, just hearing it, just being informed, right? If you don't hear it, how would you know? Romans 10, 14 says, how then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? If they don't know, how can we expect them to believe? If they don't know what it is, if they've never heard it, there are things in your life that you have never heard. How about this? In Switzerland, it's illegal to own just one guinea pig. I'm just leave you with that, and you can think about it. No, the answer is because they believe guinea pigs to be social animals, and so to have only one is abuse, and so you have to buy two. So if you're ever moving to Switzerland, buy two guinea pigs. Here's another one. A kangaroo cannot hop if you lift his tail up. What you want to do with that bit of information is on you for the rest of your life. But now you're informed. Now you know. Now you've heard. Right? And the same thing is important for us. If they don't hear, how will they know? If they don't know the name of Christ, if we don't proclaim the name of Christ, how will they know? You've always heard, just be Jesus to someone. Be the only Bible someone's ever going to see. That's great. That's absolutely true. But sooner or later, you're going to have to proclaim the name of Jesus. You're going to have to proclaim the victories in your life. You're going to have to be transparent with what God is doing so that the evidence is there that when you say Jesus Christ is king, they believe it. There has to be evidence because who's going to believe something that they've never even heard? Because if you get real, if you ever just lay it out, it sounds a little weird. But if there's evidence, if there's something that's visible, something that's true that someone can put together and start connecting the dots, then there's hope that they might believe. But if they don't hear, how will they ever? And the next question is, who's going to tell them? That's what God has called us into. That's why those by faith moments for us are so important because they give us the confidence to have an argument, to go and tell someone that Jesus is real. And that he saves, that he came down to earth out of heaven, that he humbled himself and became a man, that he walked a perfect life without sin, flawless, and that he hung on a cross, and that your sin and my sin is what put him on a cross, and that he died. And like the song said, he said, it is finished. Praise God. And he was buried in a tomb, and in three days he rose again, and he was seen by many. Irrefutable evidence, if you lay it out, that he rose again. He had snacks with people. I mean, that's incredible. Out of all the things you do when you rise from the grave, let's make a sandwich. That's incredible. That's exciting. And more than 500 people in one place saw him. But that's hard to believe if you don't have the evidence. If you can't make a clear, important argument, if people don't see your life for what it is and as God creates these by-faith moments, if we're not transparent about them, how will they ever know? That's why God uses these moments. Or in some cases, how will we ever know? 
if we don't have those by faith moments. Because that might be the most important part of it, is how will I know? How will I have the confidence in what I've heard? How will I have the confidence in what I've been told by somebody? Because that may work for you, brother, but for me, my life's a mess. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can believe your argument. I'm not sure if I can believe what you believe. So the next part is receiving. Right? I'm hearing it. I'm starting to receive it. I'm starting to take it in. I'm starting to hold on to to what you're saying. I've heard this now. I've heard this about a kangaroo. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to go get close enough to lift his tail, but it sounds good. I might be in. I'm not sure yet. But we got to get into that place of moving past hearing into receiving. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So if we're going to have faith, we have to hear it, and then we have to have the opportunity to receive it. So we have to begin laying out our argument. We have to begin laying out what's important for this person to know. And the most authoritative thing that we have to go by, the clearest example for us other than our own experiences, is the Word of God. And if you ever do a study on the Word of God and the historical artifact that it is, it will give you evidence to believe that it's real. The way that it was written, the way that it was strung out across 2,000 years, how, how these many authors all together come into one place, and the flow of it makes sense across all of these years. It's authoritative in the fact that God inspired it, that it was written by the hand of God through men. It is the power of God, and it's at our fingertips. We have it. We have access to it. And it will create by faith moments for us. Because as we read God's word and we sort of measure our life against it, it's sometimes easy to see that we may not be where we think we were. Or we may not be as close as we thought we were. It will definitely humble us. But it's a powerful source of evidence. So the last thing that we have to have for faith is action. Y'all thought it was going to be a word with R, didn't y'all? We have to have action. Our faith has to move us into a place of action. If our faith is received, if it begins to become real in our heart, if it begins to become something that's tangible, then it should move us into a place of action. Because how else will we prove out the transformation in our heart, right? And James 2, 14 through 26 says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? If I just tell you, Take care of yourself. Or if I just tell you, I'm going to pray for you. When I could have just say, let's pray right now. What good is it if I just pass the opportunity to let my faith move me into a place of action? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. It is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, but I have deeds. 
So I say, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. And so just believing, just understanding, just knowing that there is a God is not enough. If having faith in God is all we have, then where are we if we're not moving? If there's not action, if something's not happening, we're as good as demons. Because they believe it and they shudder. They have a fear of God. But if there's no action, if we're not doing something about the broken and the hurting, then what is our faith? Where is our faith? You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and in his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even rehab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Sooner or later, if we claim to have faith, then our faith has to be called into action. There was a video I wanted to show you, and we didn't have internet access, so I couldn't, but I'll tell you, there was a guy in 1975 named Richard Davis. He invented a woven mesh Kevlar suit to kind of push back against officers who were being shot in the head because the bulky Kevlar suit that they used to wear told the criminals or the trespassers that they had bulletproof armor on. So they would start aiming for the head to make sure they got a kill. And so he had a problem and he decided to solve it. And so he took shot after shot of his Kevlar vest and it worked. It absorbed bullets. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. You can go on YouTube on the Smithsonian Channel and see it. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. But still, he had to prove it out. He had to figure out a way to give the evidence for people to see. He claimed to have faith in his product, but his faith had to move him to a place of action. And so the only course of action is just like the video said, he had to put his money where his mouth was. And in the video, you can see it. He actually puts the Kevlar vest on, and he takes a gun at point blank range, and he cocks it. And he's talking through it, and you can hear the nervousness in his voice while he's talking. It's, I mean, he's anxious. Why wouldn't you be? Sometimes those faith moments, those by-faith moments, they're going to be anxious moments. They're going to be filled with nerves. They're going to be filled with a fear of can this be done? And he pulls the trigger. And it worked. It worked. His faith in action worked. And there was evidence of it. There was evidence of what he was believing in to be true. And so from that point on, he goes on to shoot himself 200 times to prove it out to the world. Because whatever our faith is in, whatever we believe in, whatever we're willing to pour everything out on, whatever is able to hold the weight of our faith will be the thing that we praise. And so do you think that man praised that Kevlar vest when it shot and it didn't go in? Or he didn't even have a broke rib? Because he believed, and his faith moved him into a place of action. And there was evidence for the world to see. And it's an incredible thing. But that's hard, right? 
I mean, we have anxiety. We have depression. We have addictions. We have all these things holding us back. How in the world can God call me in these by-faith moments, and how in the world will I ever be victorious? I'm trapped still. I still have this problem holding me back. Maybe that's what that by-faith moment is. Maybe that's what that by-faith moment is designed to do, is to show you that you are an overcomer in Christ. That you can believe in the word of God, that you can believe in his promises, that you can turn to what they say and that you can trust it and that you can overcome because he's big enough to hold the weight of your faith. He's big enough to handle it. If your marriage is crumbling, God's big enough. If your job's falling apart, if the bills are stacking up, God is big enough. If you don't know where to turn, if there's no hope in sight, if you can't see the light of the day, the God we serve is big enough. He can handle it. He can hold the weight of your faith. But we have to be moved into action. We have to step out in faith. We have to realize that our obstacles are nothing but opportunities for by faith moments. Because sooner or later, the world needs to see. The world needs to see God in you. He needs to see God in your story. He needs to see how God moved. But if there's no story to tell, what good is it? What good is it? And so we have all these moments. I got a baby, big curly-headed little thing. But he loves the pool. But at first he didn't. And now he loves jumping off the side of the pool, but at first he didn't. And so you stand in there and you raise your hands and you're like, jump, son, I'm going to catch you. And he's like, and I'm good. And then he'll come back and we'll do it again. And I'm like, yes, come on, come on. Nope, I'm good. But eventually he jumps. And when he does and I catch him and he hits the water, guess what he wants to do? I want to do it again. I want to do it again, daddy. I want to do it again. Daddy, let's do it again. That's what these by faith moments are for us. It's God going, come on, son, jump. I'll catch you. And we get right to the edge and we're like, okay, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then another one comes along and we're like, okay, this time I got it. I got it. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God. And then finally we jump and God catches us. And we go, I want to do it again. I want to do it again, God. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. That's what he's calling us into. That's what these moments are for. God is calling us into these by faith moments so we can do them again and again and again. That's what God is doing in this place. That's what God is calling us into, these by faith moments where he goes, come on and jump, I got you. And our faith becomes action and we jump. And we're so excited, we're so pumped up about what God is doing that we want to do it again. I want to do it again, God. Let's go again. What's next? What's next? And regardless of how big they are, regardless of how tall they are, we go, God is big enough. It may, may be a little nerve-wracking. may get a little excited. But God's big enough because he can support the weight of our faith. He can handle it regardless of what it is, regardless of that scary test result that you're waiting on, regardless of what's going on in your life with the bills, regardless of what's going on in your marriage. God's saying, jump. I got you. We got you. And we do it. And then we go, well, if he can do that, what else can he do? And so God is weaving all of our independent, individual, by faith moments together. 
Just like he did in the Bible, he's stringing everything together in this place. There are people filled with glorious testimonies of God's love and redemption. And God's weaving all these things together. It's not about Michael. It's not about me. It's not about one individual person. It's about all of these by faith moments being woven together. And God is doing this incredible thing in this place. And he's sending us to a place where people will need to hear the name of Jesus because they're hurting and they're broken. He's sending us out into a world that's full of darkness. And he's going to use all of these woven stories to proclaim his name to show people the love that he has for them, to give them hope, to give them a chance. And the thing is, our story is woven with the Bible. It's a continuation of what God began in the Bible. In Hebrews, and I'm going to run through this, so if you're clicking, just click. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. By faith, Noah was warned about things not seen yet. In holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is keeping with the faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as he is as good deeds came, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sands on the seashore. That's you and me. We're those people that he's talking about right there. Because of that by faith moment, that's you and I. And all of these people were still living by faith when they died. And by faith, when God tested him, Abraham offered a sacrifice. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each one of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, was in, uh, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because he saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edicts. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, the people, of it, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rehab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed for those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about, I don't think I said that right, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and ministered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rounded foreign armies when women, women received back their dead that were raised to life again by faith. By faith, a few people met in an apartment. By faith, they started meeting in a karate school not far from here. 
By faith, they believed in the vision that God gave them in Acts 2, and they began beginning obedient and reaching out and just continuing in faith. And as the Bible says, God added to their numbers, and it grew. By faith, it became time for a place for us to congregate, to meet together so we could praise Jesus for what he had done. And then the night before we even came into this place, we still weren't sure if we were going to have it. But by faith, we pushed forward. By faith, at the end of a year, it came time to move. And a group of people who had been just being obedient and faithful to God, by faith, began to pray and fast. And God supplied an answer. He supplied an opportunity. And by faith, we've moved forward. And by faith, there have been countless people pouring out their time, their energy, their talents, their treasures, all of these things into a building to get it ready for us to go next Sunday. By faith, there have been endless hours just poured into this place. There have been people just staying to all hours of the night. There have been people hanging sheetrock, hanging wire, just painting, doing everything that needed to be done, not for the sake of a building, but what God is sending us into. Not one cares about a building. They only care about what God has for us because by faith, they know he's real. By faith, they know that his promises are true. By faith in what they read in God's word, they know he's sending us into a place that might be dark. But something has to push back against the darkness. And it's the love of God. And by faith, we want to do that. We want to be that church that God sends into the darkness. We want to be the church that carries the light of Jesus because that's the only thing that can push against this world. It's the only thing that can push against suicide. It's the only thing that can push against addiction. It's the only thing that can push against marriages crumbling. It's the only thing that can push against families being destroyed. The love of Christ, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the evidence of the Bible, it's the only thing that can push back against the darkness of this world. And we are the light of the world because of Christ Jesus, because of what he's done in our hearts, because of our by faith moments. It's because of what he's calling us into that he's sending us out to tell the world that he is God. And he can hold the weight of their faith. He can be the thing that never satisfies. He can be the answer when it only seems like the only reasonable answer is to pull a trigger. That he's the answer for that. He's the answer for the drugs that seem to make you feel better but never do and only call more chaos. He's the answer for the marriage that's crumbling. He's the answer for the life that's overwhelmed by despair. He's the answer for anxiety and depression. He's the answer for the darkness of the world around us. And he's sending us out as a light unto the world because of Christ, not because of anything we've done, not because of any power that we have, only because of the gospel of Jesus Christ can we be the light of the world that we've called, been called to be. You were called into something miraculous. We have been called into something miraculous. God wants to use us. He wants to use our faith. He wants to call it into action. He wants to present the opportunity for people to know Jesus. And it's going to take faith. I could string together any amount of evidence you need that where we are is where God wants us to be. And I can also string together any amount of evidence to prove to you that it's not because of one human being. Not one. It's because of God. It's because of obedience. 
It's because of faithfulness. It's because of the by faith moments that he called us into. That's where we want to be. That's why we should be excited this morning. Look at what God has done in this place. Look at what God has done in your life. If not, look at what God wants to do because that's just exciting. Just as exciting. God wants to do something miraculous. God wants the evidence of the Holy Spirit to be on clear display, but it's going to take faith. You have gifts that have been given to you by the Holy Spirit, but it takes faith. It takes action. There are people in here who have gifts, gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of generosity, gifts of leadership, gifts of apostleship, discipleship. But it takes faith. It takes action. It takes stepping out of our comfort zone. It takes getting to the edge and going, okay, God, I'm going to jump. And then jumping. And he'll catch us. And then we're going to go, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again, Daddy. Let's do it again. There are people who need you. There are people who are hurting that need you, that need your faith because they don't have any right now. They need the evidences of your faith because they don't have any right now. They need the proof that God is real. And if we don't go, who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them? Praise God, he's given us an opportunity. Praise God, he's given us something powerful and it's not a building. It's a faith that will allow us to be obedient to the ends of the earth. Because that's what we're calling into. It's not about 309 Main Street Garden City. It's not about that. It's about Haiti. It's about going to the Dominican. It's about Africa. It's about Italy. It's about all of the other places in the world where people don't know Jesus that God is calling us into. It's about the unreached people group that we believe God is calling us to. It's about the permanent missionaries that we're going to send that might be down the hall right now. There may be children in that room that are going to go into the world to places where they've never heard the name of Jesus and tell them of his love. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're being faithful for. That's why we're sweating. That's why we're killing ourselves in this place, not because of a building, but because God's name is going to be heard. And praise God, guess who he wants to use to do it? Us. Is that incredible? Is that not a reason to praise him? All the by faith moments in your life, is that not a reason to praise him? He's big enough. He's big enough to hold it. And if you don't have it right now, if you don't have that in your life, he's big enough. And maybe that's what this is, a by faith moment for you. And so if that's you this morning, if you know that you've never been in a place with God where you've given your heart to Jesus, where you've surrendered your life, you've surrendered all of your control, and you've just trusted and placed your faith in the fact that Jesus Christ died to restore your relationship to God, if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a second, and I want you to know something. We're going to celebrate. Are we going to celebrate? Are we going to celebrate? Why? Because it's a by faith moment that we get to witness. It's because there is death that is becoming life. And that's the reason we do all that we do. It's the reason why we jump when God says jump. 
so that even one might hear the name of Jesus and give their heart to him. If that's you this morning, if you know that that's you, and here's the good thing, it doesn't matter whether I know or not, because you do. If that's you this morning, will you raise your hand? Amen. Now here's the thing I want you to know because you do know it's you. This man will be in the back at the end of this service. We're gonna have some worship time in a minute. We're gonna have a time to respond. No matter what, before you leave this place, if you know that's you, go talk to him. Go talk to him. If y'all need to go hide in the corner, do whatever needs to be done. If you wanna walk somewhere, he'll walk with you. He'll walk as far as you wanna walk. So that you'll know Jesus. And the hope is that's the same for all of us. That we'll walk as far as we need to walk so that one might know Jesus. For the rest of us, we're going to have a time. This altar is yours. Maybe you realize that your faith faith has just been weak. Maybe you're realizing that your faith hadn't been in what it should be at all. Maybe you need to renew your faith this morning. God is here. And I know an altar can be anywhere, but there's one here right now. And this is what God is working on you with right now. Why would you pass it up? Why would you move past God to go, I'll deal with it later? Because if you're like me, you never will. And then you'll just be back in the same spot in that endless cycle. But this is that by faith moment. And maybe it's a little one, but maybe it's that one that gets you so excited. You go, okay, I'm ready to do it again, daddy. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. So this time is yours. Kevin's gonna play a song. The altar's open. I'm gonna pray, and as I pray, you can come. Kevin will play us out. But if you're not excited about what God has done, if you haven't seen the evidences of how God has been faithful because of our obedience, because of our faithfulness, come talk to someone in this place and let them tell you. Let them lay out the argument. Let them show you the evidences that it was not a man, it was not a man's idea, but that it was God. Because there have been things that have happened along this journey that there is no way a man could do it. Or even a group of men, or even a group of women who could do way more than men, but still. This is your time. And if you're not excited, come talk to somebody who is, and I promise you, you'll leave excited. Grace Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for this year. We thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you for this place, this building. We thank you for this place you're sending us to. We thank you for all the faithful hearts, all the men and women who have persevered, who have pushed through, who have stepped out in faith to follow you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you even more for what you're going to do. We thank you for the people that you're sending us to. We thank you for Garden City, the hearts of the broken there who need to hear your name. We thank you that we get to be a part of that to the world, to them to the ones in Garden City, to Savannah, to Pooler, to Bloomingdale, to all of the area. We thank you for the future church plants. We thank you for the missionaries. We thank you for the future short-term missionaries. We thank you for the future long-term missionaries. We thank you for the unreached people group that you are sending us to. Because it is you, God, who does all. It is you, God, who has accomplished everything. And it is you, God, who deserves our glory. Because you're big enough to support the weight of our faith. And for the heart that's far from you this morning, for the faith this week, Lord, I just pray for renewal in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, I pray for excitement. I pray for a faith so strong, so bold, so courageous that they're willing to go wherever you're willing to take them, that they're willing to walk a mile so that one might know Jesus. Lord, I'm praying for the one that's far from you this morning, that they would have the courage and faith to give their life to you because you can handle it. Lord, we thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for everything you're going to do. And we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.